Coffee and Cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Here is Husker 24-7 senior writer, Brian Christofferson. Yeah, it'll, it'll be a little bit of a circus act. Brian Christofferson. Well, I mean, that's that's pretty interesting. Brian Christofferson. <laughs> I, I kind of enjoy that. Here is Brian Christofferson. Not where the soccer team is like, you know, like we, we have that Olympic day that we did, and they're all out there supporting us. They're doing it with us. You see them in the halls all the time. So, you know, I was walking one day, and I asked them when their first game was because they're in, they're in preseason too, right? And so they told me it was tonight. So um, I thought my daughters would be here. I was excited to take them. They're not here yet. So uh, we're going to take the team. And, um, you know, like we had Coach Cook come talk to the team, right? Like we, we just want to be around winning, and we want to be we – we want to go watch the girls win tonight. So hopefully they play a great game. Hey, top of the hour on Coffee and Cream alongside Robbie Lula, Andrew Rogers. We are out at the Pinnacle Bank Championship live from the club over at Indian Creek. Happy to have you with us. Uh, 590 ESPN Radio. We're live on Twitter, live on YouTube. The YouTube chat room is open for comments. We also will take calls, 888-638-4876. But we won't this segment because we are talking to Brian Christofferson, one of my favorite senior writer for Husker 24-7 at Husker247BC on Twitter. Brian Christofferson, good morning. Good morning. Nice background, guys. Hey, you know what? This one actually isn't a green screen either. It's real. <laughs> we are actually doing something for real for once. I know it's, it comes as a shock to you, BC, but I wish I was playing right now and not talking, but I'll leave it up to the pros. They're practicing putts back there. I should also probably lower my voice because if we're talking in proper golf terms, we should we should be you know respectful of the course and the conditions and the players Get and the Andy like North that. game right yeah, yeah some, <laughs> something similar BC can yell while we whisper no I'm just kidding uh BC you've been at fall camp for the last week and a half I've heard you asking questions over the course of this week too uh but just in particular to yesterday because we got to hear from Donnie Rayola we got to hear from coach rule again um, the coaches I find to get, you know, more information out of than the players, but it does seem like you can learn something from the players and how much they talk like their position and coaches and their head coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, but aside from those two things, uh, you heard Donovan Rayola talking about the O-line. You heard Matt Rule mentioning how he likes to have seven, like that would be a good number for them, seven offensive linemen. And then, you know, every other young offensive lineman is just a bonus for them. How notable is it? Is that number, that number seven, or or even just how notable is it that they're talking about having seven really good offensive linemen right now? Well, I said, uh, I tweeted out a story link to that last uh, night and I said notable. And part of the reason I, I did that is I can remember um, not too long ago when Mike Cavanaugh was the O-line coach here uh, during the Riley era and he was playing only five guys. And uh, which a lot of people do, actually. And uh, the late, great Milt Tenniper even defended him on that. But I remember every practice, it was like a topic with Mike Cavanaugh. Like, what about a rotation? Why in the old days, they used to play 10 guys and this and that. And so there was this debate around Nebraska all through August, September or whatever about uh, what's the proper number of linemen that should be in your rotation. And everybody had a big take on it. So that it was sort of aimed at that audience that can remember that stuff. Um, but it is interesting to hear the philosophy on every staff on, you know, what constitutes security as far as how you feel about yourself in the trenches. And he gave you the number basically on that. It's, uh, you know, if I, if I have a, a rotating seven, 
seven and maybe rotating is even the wrong word, but just seven guys you feel good about. Maybe they're going to use five guys almost all the time, but there's two guys on the side that you believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, that's uh, that 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 was interesting to me. But then, you know, the other thing that popped up was the the names he mentioned. And some of them are first year guys that are maybe they can be those nine, 10 guys as he was talking. And that's your Sam sledges, your uh, Gunnar Gatula's. You have to be a guy with alliteration in your name, apparently. Um, <laughs> to, uh, Justin Evan Jenkins. Yeah. Yeah. To, yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, Justin Evan Jenkins is in that mix too. Um, so that was good. But I think what people are really dialed in now is like, okay, I saw Nuri was out yesterday. Nuili at uh, right guard had a day off, whatever. How long is that going to be? That's the thing people are going to pay attention to the most in fall camp, knowing that it's going to be very tough. As much as everyone loves Teddy around here, Teddy Prohoskin talking about him, he just hasn't played a lot of football and it's been a tough r- runway back. And without this camp to actually practice full go, which he won't have, even if he is like available week one or week two, we got to remember it's going to take time for him to, to get into, um, you know, into the operation. So I think people got to adjust their thinking a bit. Turner Corcoran is your left tackle. He's been the left tackle. And he's probably going to be your left tackle for a little bit into the season, at least. Brian, if you don't think that you can necessarily count on Teddy Prohaska just because of injury and rust, and all of that, can you get to seven names you think they're going to feel good at by week one? Um, it's a good question. I I think that'll come down to like, uh, I didn't mention him, but Henry Latovsky working <laughs> the other day in, in Nuri's spot, at least in, when we were there at, at right guard. He's a guy who played almost, I think, 260 snaps or something like that last year and got a lot of experience. It was a little rough for him at times. There were some lessons learned, but... He's a guy who you're hoping in year three and really his second year of playing college football that he makes that move. So he would be a guy you could say could be uh, in that possible seven. Um, Ideally, you're thinking Prohaska is one of them, right, when he's back, even though if there's Russ and it's going to take some time. So they're not that far away from it, but there is there is still room to reach, you know, and and. Um, honestly, it would be great if you could have a sledge or a Gatula who you just feel awesome about and a couple of those other true freshmen, but you don't have to really use them much. They could play here scattered, maybe do get one blowout win or something and they can get in there and get some action and still keep their red shirt and all that. Mm-hmm. That would be your ideal scenario because, uh, it's very tough. It's so tough to play that position, like in your second or third year in college ball, let alone your first year. So, um, it's great to hear updates about those guys, but also you're kind of hoping it's just positive updates while they can keep growing behind the scenes. If it's going to be a good 23 Husker season, BC staying with the offense here and um, some updates that are out there. We've talked about it a lot um, with you about the wide receiving room and the question marks that are, are still there. And even yesterday we heard coach rule say that Xavier Betts was not out at practice, that he was injured. He didn't, uh, say it was a long-term injury by any means, but he was still injured. And, you know, another young name that uh, we have yet to hear a lot about, and I've heard the fan base question, like where he's been, is Malachi Coleman. Can you speak to any of those two things about either what you've seen at practice or what you know? Well, um, 
all I know right now is that they they weren't there yesterday, and I I don't think it's there's not a disciplinary thing or anything like that from what I know. So it's just a, it's a deal where I I don't want to attach things that I I can't say for certain, but I do know that there was also a stomach bug that was sort of going through the team a little bit that people need to at least know about that you know you never know if that got a guy or two over there as well. So I think it's just something you got to watch through the next week, like. If a week from now we're still talking about this, obviously, then it's it's a much bigger story. If it's you know just a deal where a guy is injured or there's a flu or something or whatever that pops up sometimes in August, this happens and you miss a day or two of camp. That just sort of goes with the flow here. We do have a way in Nebraska about um, if someone is not v- visible to us, um, we seem to go to the worst case scenario often and that's that's I, I would a just, bad run here bc <laughs> and i under, yeah i understand it but i would just hold i would just say let's hold the phone on that it's it's camp and you know guys do get dinged up and stuff like that happen so let's see what happens uh, but the, to the part of like those are guys you want to be in your rotation or a part of the equation here and they are thin at wide receiver and i think even going into fall camp before that um we kind of wondered about that position group because we'll always say well they got billy kemp you got marcus washington but marcus has had a bad little run here of stuff you know with the broken hand and then he gets back out there and has a lower body fortunately it's not going to be as bad as i think they thought on the spot and he's going to be back soon um but after those guys you know they do need like a Xavier to sort of bust onto the scene or we haven't heard much about Isaiah Garcia Castaneda this Mm -hmm. camp. You need somebody like that. You do need one of those freshmen to be sort of special, not like he's the top guy. Billy Kemp can be the top guy, but can you be like that fifth guy? And I do think a good walk, a good story is Alex Bullock. I think he's a, he is a very good player. And um, anyone who rolls their eyes and is like, Oh, okay, here we go with the walk on receiver thing again. Um, if you watch him play at Omaha Creighton prep, that, that guy's a, he can play and his brother is uh, tearing it up on the defensive side. So it's kind of in the genes. So don't be surprised if Alex Bullock is a factor for this team too. All right, PC stay right here for me though, is if, if everybody were healthy, I mean, you could probably, um, you know, guess that the top four guys, at least just based on previous success would be Billy Kemp. It would be Xavier Betts, Isaiah. Garcia Castaneda and Marcus Washington. Those would kind of be like your top four. But after that, you know, um, we don't really know what comes next with this wide receiving room. Like who would be the fifth guy in your mind that would be after those four? Is it, is it Bullock or is it somebody else? Um, well, I mean, from what I've heard the, the most recently, and I always go with most recent Bullock's in that mix. Um, Josh Fleeks was back. And, um, you know, he missed early camp. That's an interesting sort of sidebar. We, we've got to get used to this, too. Um, around here in the past, if a guy wasn't there the first day of something or, he, you know, it was like, well, that's the end of that story. You wrote the obituary. Right. And um, that's not the case anymore. Like We got examples of this already. Tommy Hill was actually not, if you remember, in the spring was suspended for the first day or whatever. Anthony Grant was um for whatever reasons but they weren't out there immediately um they came back pretty quickly and they're in the thick of it now and uh fleeks uh sent you know we'll see if he can get in the thick of it too he obviously knows the system but he was out he was around when we were there the other day so 
um, he's back and, you know, maybe he factors into that, what you're talking about to the question, Andrew, like, you know, could he be a fourth, fifth guy? Um, you know, he hasn't put up big numbers in a while and all that. So you wonder a little bit, but he's definitely a guy who knows the system and hopefully is being a good mentor over there. BC, uh, Jeff Sims was named to the Davy O'Brien award watch list. Uh, one of 35 quarterbacks nationally to be named to that list. If Jeff Sims is a top 35 quarterback nationally, what does that look like? Like, what's his path to being a top 35-ish quarterback in the country? It's uh, bringing the picks down by three or four and uh, bringing the uh, completion percentage up by four or five, something like that. Like, if, if he's in that humming along and he's like a – 60 in his you know low mid 60s completion percentage but he, he's just keeping the picks down um nebraska could probably be pretty effective um and it's it's also him uh when you look at the stat sheet at the end of the regular season and you look at that little the, the part we always it's the most important part it's the it's the g category the the games category how many games did you play and availability is the biggest weapon. And right, you know, when you talk about the quarterbacks right now at Nebraska, it's awesome, I think, for fans to hear that Chubba, Chubba Purdy responded to the challenge and is having a good camp. But I do think Husker fans are also like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I like I watched it last season. And do we really um, want to see him? Yeah. Um, so Jeff Sims, I think in a lot of people's minds. Um, not seeing everything that goes on over there. People are saying this guy's got to be pretty good. He's got to be savvy and efficient and not turnover prone. And he's got to be healthy. Most of all, he's got to be that guy who avoids that like two or three week stretch. Like that happened to Casey Thompson, not his fault, of course, but you're getting hammered and his own line's got to protect him too. And then also you got to be maybe uh, sharp about how you run him and you're not just running him for running sake, you know, like, uh, like we have sometimes seen in the past with quarterbacks, ideally the eye back run game is a legitimate threat or something you can uh, hold steady with. So when it's third and two or three, you're not having to crash your quarterback into the line like they used to, to get that first down. Cause they can't pick it up with a tailback. So that would be a nice way to help save Jeff Sims too. BC on the defensive side, uh, another young um, and super talented local kid in Maverick Noonan out for the year, as we found out yesterday. Uh, Mav was the a type that probably wasn't going to play a whole bunch this year, but he was still in the mix of being one of those freshmen that if, um, you know, later on in the season, if he is proving himself that maybe this defense needs a spark, it could be him. It won't be this year though. And I'm curious on how you think an injury like this will impact his development going forward. Um, the good part, if there is a silver lining is um, it wasn't described as like an ACL or whatever it is, it's like, it's going to take six months. So it's obviously serious enough, but it seems like something where hopefully a young body can pop back from it pretty quickly. And you laid it out pretty good within the question there. He was sort of on that fringe of those guys who maybe can get in up to four games and you get that experience, but maybe that's where it stops. And so I don't want to take away from that for an individual that's painful, especially if you've never dealt with like a serious injury in your life and you get to college, you're ready to roll. You have some momentum you feel like, and then you got to get your mental game back. Right. You know, after that gets stopped in place. But, um, 
I, I think he he can probably bounce back from this pretty good. And the fact that he was likely looking toward a red shirt, I would think probably eases the pain a little bit for him and where you're just like, all right, I'm going to go back to the lab and grind and I'll be ready next year. Cause that was going to be my year anyway. So I don't think this has to be something that just, uh, you know, waylays you and has you on the floor. I think, I think he'll respond to it, especially knowing that family. BC, I'm curious. Um, you know, we've mentioned some freshmen that we think maybe you'll get some games in, but likely won't be a key part of rotations. Um, guys like Sledge, Mav before the injury came in. Um, Matt Rule mentioned Jalen Lloyd a little bit yesterday as part of the wide receiver group as well. Is there a guy or a couple guys you think that as true freshmen are actually going to be kind of intricate parts of their unit? I mean, are we looking at the D-line with like a Prince Well on a Cam Lenhart, or are you looking somewhere else? Yeah, I would start there. Um. I don't completely slam the door on like a because you never know what running back if like a Quentin Ives is just like catches it and he has the goods uh, mm-hmm. at some point in camp or whatever. And, and all of a sudden, you know, a guy gets dinged up and you throw him in there and he looks pretty good. And he's like the headline for a week. You, know, you never know at that position. But I, I think you're starting in the right place with uh, with Prince Will and Cam, who are have been out there pretty consistently with the. I don't want to say the first string, but the first second string type group. And so they're, they're obviously going to play. Um, I wonder about Eric fields. Um, mm. I don't know if he can pop in at Rover or wherever. Cause they actually, it's pretty deep. Um, even with the, the farmer departure last week, I, but he's just, they love him so much. Like remember when they talked about him as a recruit and that really hasn't changed since he got on campus. And you, even the other day rules talking about special teams and he's like, you see Eric fields and you're like, how do I not use him on every special teams unit? You know, and they, they just love that guy. And so the way they speak on him makes me think somehow, some way it feels like he's going to blow through that red shirt, whether it's all special teams or not. I don't know, but you wonder if there's some point in the season where like, we got to try this guy out on in game <laughs> action, you know, like see where it goes. So, um, especially if, you know, we don't know how the season going to go if they're like three and five or something. And Eric Fields is on the charge and he's already burned the red shirt. Like, you know, you know how that'll go around here. People will be wanting to see him out there. So, Guys like that, you got to keep in your back pocket, not knowing if it's going to happen, but definitely, it's definitely something that's possible. BC, I want to ask about player standouts all the way from the spring through the summer into fall now, because uh, we're getting close to knowing who may be wearing a single digit on their jersey throughout this football season. A couple of questions wrapped up into one. Uh, That that point right there, uh, is there somebody that has, you know, caught your eye that you're like yeah he'll be wearing a solo number on his jersey and two it, it almost seemed at one point yesterday coach rule seemed to bite his tongue when talking about the release of the single digit jersey numbers uh, is there anything like deep about what that was about did he say something he wasn't supposed to yeah, i don't know um is single digits the new black shirts though that's what i'm wondering that's is what i was just gonna ask you <laughs> yeah we haven't got to that question even yet. Black shirts is still like 1988, I guess. But um, let's see, guys who could be single digits if we just th- trust our ears on this. Gifford, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Tommy Hill might go get a zero back. I don't know. They love Tommy Hill the way he's he's come on and bought into things. Um, there's 
let's see. Newsom probably. Yeah, uh, he could. Ryan Reimer, um, I don't know. He's always like that too, eight. So I wonder if guys. <laughs> that's here's another question. If guys really love their number, right, um, yeah. are you do, you do you have to give it up to be like number three? Then you know, but I I just hope like an old lineman is like number seven or number one. That would be awesome. <laughs> um, so I don't know. You, you know, on the D line, uh, Nash Hupmacher. If you're real, if they're really going to give them out to everybody. Um, Nash Hutmacher has been a leader. He's been one of the best players all off season and is honestly one of the most important parts on this team now, because if, if he goes from being that sort of fringe guy to like big time, like, okay, he's making plays behind the line of scrimmage. You're seeing that lateral movement that we didn't see as much in the past or it's improved. Um, that could be a game changer for that D line. So I wonder if a guy on the D line like him or a Ty Robinson gets a gets a single digit, and that'd be Ty kind Robinson of interesting. Wearing number three, yeah, that'd be kind actually. of fun. <laughs> what would be more awkward to see Ty Robinson wear or Nash Hotmarker wearing a single digit or any offensive lineman? Um, I would say O lineman only because. A few defensive linemen have been trendsetters. I'm thinking of like, well, Malik Collins was seven, wasn't he? Um, at Nebraska. Right, yeah. I think you're right. Yep. And he actually looked pretty sweet in it. You look sweet when you're like kind of a, a badass, though. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think O lineman on that. That's a good question, though. It would look weirder on O lineman to me. Mm. BC, uh, last thing from me here, as you have kind of gotten to see them operate through the first week and a half of fall camp, what do you hope ultimately gets accomplished from living in the dorms to, you know, avoiding technology to, you know, being in the presence of one another outside of brotherhood? What do you ultimately hope gets accomplished here? I think Nebraska fans want to see a team that, they're building up something that helps with like that mental toughness and belief in one another, where when something goes astray in the third quarter with eight minutes left, there's not a feeling in the stadium. Like, well, that's the thing we're going to all be talking about all week. And that's how it's been around here. And I think rule knows that he's tried to hit that right in the teeth with stuff he's done and trying to build up a belief and, and first, it's going to take doing it right. You're going to have to have that game. Maybe it's in Minneapolis where it is 17 to 13. You're behind going in the fourth quarter and you got to find a way and someone's got to make that play. But you're trying to build up all these little things that pile on top of each other so that it matters in those moments, I think, where you're not, as he said, um, throwing helmets on the sideline and screaming at each other. But you've got each other's back and you're you're, you're saying, we can we've got this. We can pull this thing off. And um I just sense it hasn't been for lack of effort, but Nebraska football got into this realm where when one thing happens, there's, it's a snowball effect and you just sort of feel like it's, it's going downhill. And so that's what you're trying to break away from. And you're trying to do it in things with building camaraderie. And also I think just building better dudes, like we could all use like some time away. Honestly, if you said, Hey, go two weeks and do something, even if it's a little rough where you're away from your phone for that part of time, I'm like all for that nowadays. Uh, Cause as, as a phone addict myself. So I just think it's good for like the, their, their mental space to, to get away from like the technology and all the stuff that we become so reliant on. You see, we appreciate your time, man. Thanks so much. We'll talk again next week. Yep. Thanks a lot guys. 
That's Brian Christofferson, senior writer at Husker 24-7 at Husker 24-7 BC on Twitter. Before we take this thing to break, one more time in the deed, the Glory Memorial Stadium put on by Nebraska Public Media coming your way on Sunday at 7 o'clock. It will also be streamed on Facebook Live. It is from the original 1923 stands to today's 90,000 fan venue. That's what you're learning about. You're learning about the stadium that you all know and love. What do you do on Saturday in Nebraska? Well, you're standing up. <laughs> you're standing up and you're cheering on the Cornhuskers. Uh, it features interviews with T.O., Eric Crouch, Trev Alberts, and Mike Babcock. It also reveals little known and lost history and facts, um, honors the 100th anniversary of the stadium, and many, many other things. It's something you don't want to miss. August 13th, 7 p.m. on Nebraska Public Media. We'll take a break. 